The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that the rarest element in the periodic table was actually discovered by an armadillo? Surprisingly, it's not armadillium, but it's beryllium, which was discovered by beryllium armadillium, the sire of all armadillos. I did not know that. name. name. I did not know that. Sorry, I stepped on that. Uh, for more armadillo facts, to find out how you can access episodes a day early, and to check out our other podcasts, visit us at armadillo.club. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Michael Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 33 through 37 of The Gathering Storm, book 12 of The Wheel of Time. You almost got it. That, like, yeah, it's really good. You almost remember the name of the book we're reading. <laughs> good it's job, a, Jeff. It's a crappy, it, there's no of in it. If there was an of in it, you know, like the, the gathering the of the storms, world. the storm yeah. of the gathering. Yeah. I would totally nail that. I know. That's the problem is he fucked up his titles. <laughs> yeah. It's probably Brandon Sanderson's fault. <laughs> you should talk about how you hate Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> Who are you talking about? I mean, if it was Brandon of Sanderson, I probably know <laughs> who you're talking about. Previously, Dark Rand just dark randed around his new city, staring people down and tossing the local leadership in dungeons. You know, typical dragon stuff. Gwyn continues his, his campaign for a rescue... Mission for Egwene, but fails to get anyone on board. But leaving it, but leave it to Gwyn to relentlessly pursue the absolute wrong idea. Really drive that stupid thing into the ground. Exiled Cat Swain <laughs> is just as irritating as ever as she lands on a new scheme to get Rand to trust her advice. I suspect that schemes are not the way into this dragon's heart, but I guess we'll find out. She should ask Min. I bet she knows just the way to get into Rand's heart. Blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> I say, rub your butt on it. <laughs> or rub your butt on it. I mean, they're not called blowjobs. They're called blowing the dragon. <laughs> blowing the dragon. That's right. Anyway, from there we hop onto the Nynaeve train, and it does not disappoint. After a fight with Rand, she decides it's time for action. We end up with an array of break-ins, beatings, and death threats. Top off with a narrowly failed escape, and Nynaeve walks away with a solid lead in in her custody, in a form of a Chandler's apprentice slash poisoner slash potential dark friend. Good to see that NDA still delivers. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Chapter 33, A Conversation with the Dragon. Icon of the Dragon. So Nynaeve presents that Chandler's apprentice to Rand. And he's kind of a dick about it. Yeah, it's, it's Dark Rand. Yeah. Dark Rand is an asshole. She's given him a solid clue and he still manages to be kind of a grouch about it. Yeah. Um, they reason that the that the, they can't, the boy can't talk because of compulsion, just because mm-hmm. of the reason that, that other messenger guy couldn't talk. And Rand's like, just, just, just heal it away, it's fine. Yeah, just do see what you had and, you know, do it backwards. It's yeah. funny, because everything that we've read about compulsion up to this point is it doesn't work like that. Like, even Grendel is like, oh, if anyone takes this compulsion up, they'll be dead, you know, or, or they'll be, you know, messed up. And Rand, Rand himself admits that he doesn't actually know how to heal it, but he's just like, I don't know, you're smart, figure it out. <laughs> but... She does. It totally works. Yeah. She does. Yeah, I know. Because it's motherfucking naive. Yeah, but uh, the way, but as she's describing it, like it sounds kind of horrific. What a compulsion is? It's like a net of hook, fish hooks in its brain, or something like that. Yeah. You know? yeah. But yeah, she does it anyway. Um, I love naive is throwing shade about him and Min not being married. She's like, ah, why are they not married? Yeah. If it were, if it, we were the two rivers, we'd have him have them both in front of the women's council. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or the women's circle, yeah. Wait till she finds out about the other two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Wait, does Nynaeve not know? Oh, shit, she doesn't, does she? Oh, yeah, because she would lose her mind oh, about that. Yeah. She's going to love hearing about not just the polygamy, but an unwed brand impregnating another woman. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, with quadruplets, right? <laughs> or something, <laughs> or yeah. something. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, impregnated an unwed queen. Yeah, whoops. That's just not done in the two rivers. Yeah. Nynaeve's amazing, though. I was really impressed. I thought I was kind of like, I'd seen everything she could heal, and that was cool. But, like, this was really cool to read. It was really <laughs> impressive. The description of it, like, she was performing brain surgery. It was amazing. Yeah. I think she's a genius. She is. Yeah, this was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool the way it was described, too. You know, it was just, yeah. It was mm-hmm. Awesome. So she does get the compulsion off, and the boy is able to give away Grendel's location, uh, which is Netrin's Barrow. Uh, and then he dies. Yeah, that was convenient. It was actually kind of sad. I thought the way this this kind of panned out, and 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 the way Nynaeve like felt about it was, was pretty on brand for her. It's like yeah, serious. like he he took advantage of her. Like he he manipulated her and did he something did. that she would never want to do. You know. Yeah, we'll yeah. T- we'll talk a little more about this later after other stuff happens. But I have to wonder if she's going to be on his side till the end if he keeps acting like this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This this was very dark, Rand, and and I I, I think. This was a, to me, this was like a big turning point for their relationship because Nynaeve, I mean, this is, this is like a pretty big breach of trust for her, you know, like mm-hmm. healing is, is everything to her. And he made it kind of like a, a, a killing thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like her loyalty is one of her greatest strengths, but I think her sense of morality is even greater. So he, I don't know if she's going to cut ties with Rand or not. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and if he loses Nynaeve, he is effed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. She actually t- confronts him about it directly at the end of this chapter. She's like, Dude, you've gone too dark. We're all worried about you. And Rand's like, I know, right? <laughs> I'm super fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's Yeah, it's, they they actually have a talk for once. And and Rand's like, Yeah, I know you guys think I'm being too harsh, but uh, you know, I don't care if I survive, or I don't care if I, I become a monster because I'm just gonna die. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is what it takes. And for like the first time in the entire series, Nynaeve has no argument. <laughs> right. She's like, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Mm-hmm. Very, Very dark, Rand. So he's, Dark Red is super intense now, and he tells her that he plans to take care of Grendel after the Shanshan deal. So, yeah. So so I guess he's got his, he, I guess those are the two ways he's going to take care of Aradhanon, right? Yeah. He's going to chill out the Shanshan and then kill Grendel, and then everything will be solved here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easy. And he also got rid of the, like the insurgent force that was, you know, resisting the Shanshan. Oh, right. That's true. Hmm. Yeah. Hope the Shanshan deal goes through. Yeah. The chapter 34, Legends, Icon of the Dice. <laughs> God, this, this is so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt meets with his crew as they plan their most harrowing campaign yet, going into this town <laughs> where they're making posters of him. Bum, bum, bum. I think Matt has missed his calling as like a story writer. I know. This is, this is amazing. Yeah. yeah. He's, not only does he have this giant military plan. Uh, where he's going to position some cavalry and then some crossbowmen to cover them, to cover all entrances to the town. But he's also given all of his guys backstories. Overly yeah. elaborate and backstories. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, it feels ridiculous, but on the other hand, you have to consider the fact that Matt has a really bad track record with random small towns, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's, he's right. right? Yeah. The last time it really sucked. But like, he, you know, he's coming up with this like elaborate plan, but you know, he probably wishes he had had an elaborate plan when, before he went into that town full of, you know, murder people or that one town that sank into the ground and took somebody with it, right? So, you know. Yeah. Either way, Tom Honest is having a great time with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Then he goes and he checks with his army a little bit. Uh, he sees his cavalry guys and he sees his crossbowmen training and his crossbowmen fire extremely fast. I looked it up. Like the, Historically, what was normal is for a fast crossbowman to be able to fire like once every 20 seconds or something. And his guys are firing once every eight seconds. This is crazy. Yeah. yeah. So he had, I, I was trying to imagine the thing they're describing. There's a, a box for the crank. So essentially what I think it is, is he, they plug the crossbow in and it's crank pulls the string for well, them. Well, right? this is a real thing. This is a this is a thing they had, uh, I don't know what the century was, but it's got a little, a little crank handle on it to pull mm-hmm. the, the bow back. I, I've uh, seen the, those, like, that are attached to the actual crossbow, but this seems yeah. like a, a, an external Well, device. it's got to be a new thing because it goes more than twice as fast as those ones did. <laughs> that is true, yeah. So, but whatever. This, I, I chalked this up. I, I blame Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> I don't think he totally did his research on some of the military stuff here. Because the eight seconds sounds a little ex- insane. Uh, yeah, the eight seconds is, is ridiculously fast. And also the, there was that thing where like uh, they ambushed 150,000 people and killed them all, which mm-hmm. is like a ludicrous number of people to have in one battle. It makes sense because Robert Jordan like attended the Citadel and he studied military history. So it makes sense that he would have all this knowledge that Brandon Sanderson right. does not. It's, it's not a big deal. It's just something that jumps out at me. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, either way, he's looking to improve them further, you know, he's like, I'm going to get Aludra on this. Yeah. He goes to visit Aludra uh, and Leilwin and Domon, who are just hanging out with Eludra for some reason. Yeah. Uh, and Eludra has this crazy plan to build these cannons that she calls dragons, and she wants a staggering amount of resources. Yeah, she has a, a shopping list for him, and she's like, I need all of the copper and tin. He's like, what do you mean? Like, all of it. I need all of it. Every, co- every yeah, country, every, every, every mine, <laughs> give me all yeah. of their copper and tin, which I guess means they're going to make them out of bronze, right? Uh, I, yeah, the I think copper so. Copper and tin oh, are brass, that alloy, probably. Yeah, oh, brass, yeah. But the, and yeah, he's like... Matt is like, well, I mean, how do you expect me to, to get all the copper and tin everywhere? And she's like, isn't your buddy the emperor of the world? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guess we can set that up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it turns out setting up a foundry for war machines is a little pricey on paper. Yes. But again, that's a dragon problem. Uh, sorry, capital D dragon problem. That's a dragon, dragon problem. It's a dragon problem for the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. And then she says, but you, any one of these cannons will be worth a hundred of soldiers. But like. A thousand. Did she say a thousand? A thousand swords. Uh, okay. Any one of these cannons will be worth a thousand swords. But I think if you do the math, that's not worth all that resources because people are cheap. You know? Yeah. Dudes yeah. with swords, dudes with spears are cheap. Mm-hmm. But whatever. It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, I, I, also, guess, I guess you can handle I don't think Robert Jordan would have written the word guano. <laughs> oh, really? That's what I think. He probably would have said bat dung. Uh, or bat droppings or some kind of other types of uh, fertilizer. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because it's the nitrogen, I think, is what the, what you want in the guano. I believe so, yeah. But whatever. Whatever. It's just a, a style thing. Try not to complain about Brandon Sanderson's style. Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, I, I think it's cool that they, he, he thought about the, the, the actual process that it would take to create that stuff back then, I suppose. Yeah. But either way, he tries to pitch his faster crossbows idea to Luda. She's like, dude, I just invented you fucking cannons get someone else to work on your machine gun crossbows <laughs> yeah and uh, there's some awkwardness with Aludra because i guess you know they they almost had a thing you know yeah. did they i mean like they kind of did but not really right I, so. I thought it was just a fun flirting thing i mean too the, the, this little exchange i was like i don't know i mean I yeah guess. i thought I, it was more on matt's side too i did too yeah, yeah I, 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 I never got the impression that Aludra was like pining for him or anything like that right, you yeah, know? she didn't think he was going to make an honest woman out of her no. yeah and then matt before he can execute his plan, unfortunately, he meets the woman who comes, who uh, was looking for him because she comes right up to camp and it's Viren. Mm, before that, though, 
Ulver comes in to let him know that the Aes Sedai is there. <laughs> yeah. He s- describes how ugly the child is and then says, maybe the men in camp were right to be teaching him weapons. With a face like that, he better know how to defend himself. <laughs> no, right? Like, every time Matt sees Ulver, he's like, that kid is fucking hideous. That, that kid is so ugly, every reasonable person would want to kill him immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, damn! I, I appreciate Brandon Sanderson carrying on the tradition <laughs> of Matt thinking a lot about how ugly Ulver is. Yeah, just ragging on Ulver every minute. Like, I, I hope he doesn't ever accidentally say that stuff out loud. I mean, if it was Rand, he would be saying this stuff. Like, <laughs> Muttering into his own child is so ugly, fucking ugly. ugly. Child is so ugly. Yeah. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah, oh it's my god, god. I feel like, like I threw up in my mouth. Back into the ugly <laughs> 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 Okay, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, Dad. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, adopted daddy. I'm going to go hang out around my dead parents' graves for a while. <laughs> oh. Poor, poor Ulver, man. Good, good thing they died before they got to see what your face was going to look like. <laughs> I mean, that's probably how they died, right? <laughs> well, you know how it's a face only a mother could love? Well, your mother's dead, so nobody can love you. <laughs> These are all things that Matt has said to Ulver, and we assume at some point. We wouldn't say that to Ulver because we know we're not monsters. So yeah, it's Varen who shows up. Varen, I'm excited for yeah. her to be this, back in. She's my favorite Aes Sedai, and uh, you know, I love Matt, so this is going to be a fun... To me, this is like a fun matchup. Yep. Uh, and she offers briefly to trammel his army with her to Caelan. Yeah, she shows up. She's like, so I heard you're going to raid my town. Uh, please don't. Uh, I'm the one who's been doing this whole flyer thing. Uh, so, you know, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, and, and Matt's like, oh, I guess it wasn't a dark friend. Except maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I, whenever the, whenever Viren's talking or anyone's talking Viren, it's just, I'm always just like a little, like, huh, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, Viren. All right. I'm going to put it forward. I think Brandon Sanderson is funnier than Robert Jordan. You think so? I do. I've laughed more in this book than I've laughed in the entire series, I think. Mm. Like Matt's whole like backstory for that one guy who's really slow, Mandevwin. <laughs> it's like, oh, how can I? <laughs> like he makes up this ridiculous pat- yeah, his, backstory his, his, that he take, totally takes seriously. His yeah. aunt who took him in after his parents died and he left her because she was getting old. He's like, I would never leave my aging aunt. I'm going back to her. Like, yeah, she's yeah. not real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think, and I, I, I agree with you, Alice. Mm-hmm. I think that Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanders have, have very different sense of hu- senses of humor, and Robert Jordan's humor to me often fell a little flat. Yeah, um, no kidding. And Brandon Brandon Sanderson's like lands with me. I know that's not true of everyone. You know, it's a yeah. matter of taste, but I'm inclined to agree with you. So I, I think you're right. I think this is very funny. I thought I think that it's a little bit it's too funny, right? Matt doesn't have as much gravity as he usually has. Mm-hmm. Even Matt, never, you know, he never had that much gravity. But there was like the cool dude. Who is also like kind of flipping and hides how cool he is behind this veneer of this gambler. Mm-hmm. But this guy in this chapter is just sort of like a wacky guy who's fumbling and bumbling, and you don't see the cool part of him. Maybe. Which I, I think Robert Jordan got that mix better. Yeah. Oh, the stuff with that, those backstories is really funny. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think, I, I guess we'll see. I, I believe I have uh, come across a lot of people who have said that Matt's character in particular changes a lot when the authors switch and. Some people like it, some people don't. So, and, you know, yeah. it's one of those things. Well, Matt's character already changed around book three. Right? <laughs> That's a good point. 
and, uh, and that, that changed how I felt about Matt a lot. So, you know. Yeah. And Matt's character is going to change a lot between season one and season two of the TV show, apparently. Yeah, you, did you hear about this? No. The actor's changing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the actor from season one, no, no information about why, but yeah, they recast Matt oh. for season two. He's just too into that dagger. I Old guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever, whatever. Yeah. So, chapter 35, A Halo of Blackness, Icon of the Sean Chan. Rand returns to Falm. And he has like a little reflection moment, right? Where he's yeah. like, oh, you know, how things have changed. Back then when I was like, Patton Fane was the worst thing he'd ever had to deal with. And yeah, whatever happened to, wait, whatever happened to Patton Fane, right? He's still out there, right? Last time we saw him, he was like in Camelin or something. Hang, or he's hanging out with those shitty white cloaks. Yeah, I, I think he's, yeah, I think he's an, well, he's an advisor to someone for sure, but I don't remember who. He's... Uh, he hasn't come up in this book oh, at all. He was an advisor to that lead, the head white cloak guy, but that guy's dead now. Yeah. Yeah. So where is he now? I don't uh, know. It's probably not important. I'm sure he won't show up at a crucial moment in the final battle and like stab Rain in the butt with his evil dagger or something. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. I mean, probably not. Right? Bite off his finger and throw it into the Mount <laughs> Doom or something. There's something poetic about that. I like yeah, that. I <laughs> so Rand is a very small guard and uh, he's going into a Shan Chen strong point. Um, but Rand doesn't feel bad about it because he's got the remote control in his pocket. And he comes upon Tuon, who's sitting there. Finally. So we get this from Tuon's perspective. Tuon meets Dark Rand. And uh, it's cool to see Rand from someone else's perspective. Yeah, it, it, it's. I, I actually often enjoy Tuon's view of our characters that we've known so much. Like, Tuon watching Matt was very entertaining because she observes a lot of things. She, she's a very observant person, right? Because yeah. of her training, she catches a lot of little things. And so Matt, seeing Matt from her perspective was interesting. Seeing Rand from her perspective is also very interesting. She notes all these things about him, right? Um, from the way he like talks, to the way he's dressed, to the way he moves. Uh, so I think it's kind of interesting. But yeah. she also, you also see all these really kind of annoying prejudices that she has. No kidding. Like, just, just with Rand alone, she's like, well, rumor is he's a sheep herder, but there's no way a sheep herder would be able to do this. So that's got to be like a, a fake story they've written for him to make him more appealable to appealing to the masses or something yeah. like that. You know? Yeah, right. Uh, so it's it's interesting how perceptive she is and also how blind she is in different ways. The meeting goes pretty well at first. Um, I mean, Rain goes in really aggressively, right? He does. He like yeah. commands her. He's like, we're going to make peace. And she's like, hold on now. Right. I, I'm the Empress, man. You know, I, it, I, I mean, it probably makes sense from his perspective because he's the Dragon Reborn, right? Yeah, well, I, I thought the real hang-up here is that Tuan was raised on a bunch of what I would consider self-serving Shan Chan prophecies that everybody is going to be, you know, everybody has to work and be a slave to the, the, the Empress. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, may she live forever or whatever. Uh, and that the Dragon Reborn is going to kneel to the Crystal Throne and the Empress is going to send him to Shia Gul to fight the Dark One. Yeah. And I don't know what the story is, but I feel like those are just... Sean Chan lies, right? They, so, they twist the prophecies to serve themselves. I'm curious because so far, if there's a prophecy, regardless of the source, it has some like element of truth. So I wonder if these are true. It's one of those things where these are true events, but they're misinterpreted or they end up playing out differently than we think. Or, you know, something like that. It could be, yeah. My read is that it's just Sean Chan twisting the existing prophecies so that they serve their political power structure, but it mm-hmm. could be. It could be what you're saying, like, or the could people, they, they're not really reading them right. Or, yeah, they could just, yeah, they could, like, I think of Elida, right, when she was like, oh, the 
the what is it? she had like a recent viewing where it was like the omelet seat will oversee the victory of the thing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, I guess I'm doing great then, you know. <laughs> yeah. So maybe the empress is somebody else, you know. I don't know. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, that could be. I don't know. And uh, either way, this doesn't work. Dem- they they bond. They talk about Matt. How cool Matt is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, sort of like <laughs> they they don't. They attempt to bond over Matt, but then she starts trying to use him to manipulate Rand a little bit. It kind of doesn't work, right? Yeah. Yeah. But He's then, like, slavery, not cool. Yeah. She's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. She, she says, well, yeah, well, once, sure, we can have peace. Once we're done enslaving everybody in the world, then it'll be very peaceful. Mm-hmm. And Rand's like, that's not, that's no-go. That's a deal breaker. Yeah. No, no slavery. Let's, let's start from there. And, and, she, she and she's like, well, that doesn't make any sense at all because the prophecies say that you have to be my slave. So what are we even talking about here, bro? Yeah. I know. This is, this is. To me, this is, again, kind of frustrating to read because Tuan is still holding to these these kind of Shan Chen ideas, despite the fact that she, at this point, she has seen lots of evidence to the fact that they aren't true. Like, like the, the, the Shan Chen belief is that channelers of all sorts need to be held. Otherwise, they're, they go crazy and kill everyone, right? Yeah. And that's why they do, that's why they, how they justify their, their thing. But she's seen, like, she's traveled with, with unenslaved people. Uh, channelers for weeks months you know and has seen the evidence that that's incorrect and i think i'm not certain but i think she even knows about the whole uh the soldam uh adam like controversy where they're actual channelers right i think she she, actually knows about that she knows about that she knows that she can channel right or because she can wield the, she must right like yeah. if, if she can wield the adam then yeah she's she's a channeler so that's just not important to her I don't know. It's funny. What we found is that the number one thing that demystifies Aes Sedai is hanging out with Aes Sedai for a while. <laughs> and you find out that they're these kind of... They're not that uh, not that great. They yeah. tend to be the kind of bickering bureaucrats, right? When, yeah. When they're among themselves. And so she's seen that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, to me, this is like Gawain level of cognitive dissonance. And it's, for me, a little frustrating to read. Because yeah, I think right. that, that this would be... This is a... a a hurdle that could easily be overcome that could could lead to like uh, you know a lot more successful uh, world you know absolutely but, and I, I I think that that uh, I, I'm glad that Dark Rand did not agree to enslaving the world with the Shan Chen because mm-hmm. yeah. for a second there I thought he might that, I mean it is Dark Rand after all yeah and I, then, I, I like I think it's funny that she talks a little bit of shit about Matt and both Rand and Nynaeve are like fuck you dude yeah, <laughs> yeah. Matt's, Matt's awesome yeah. yeah that was cool and this actually I really liked Nynaeve doing it because. Nynaeve has often been on the the unappreciative side of Matt. Yes. You know? But, it, you know, like, it's it's sort of like, it's okay for you to make fun of your, your brother. It's not okay for your anyone else to make fun of your brother kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I do think that they might overplay their defensive match just a little bit. They're like, he's a... He's a <laughs> He's, he's like, got a heart of gold. He's, a, he's the most honest man you'll ever meet. I was like... Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll give him that Matt's a good dude once you get past the whole, like, to, you know... To paraphrase Winston Churchill, Matt will always do the right thing once he's tried everything else. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So then Rand tries to use his Taveran powers, uh, his Dark Rand powers. Yeah, I think this might be the first time we were witnessing someone having it done to them from their perspective and they're, they're self-aware. It's like really interesting to, to yeah. see Tuan reacting to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he just demands that she, she agree to his truce and she almost does it because she can feel some weird force mm-hmm. pulling at him. Suddenly she sees all of the advantages to allying with him and how all the th- reasons that she was concerned make, they don't make any sense. You know, they just like, they're melting away. She's like, yeah, what the fuck was that? You know? 
she resists it, which I think is actually pretty amazing because uh, yeah. I don't it's, think anyone else has stood up to this. It's it's probably the same mental processes that cause her to resist seeing what's plain plainly in front of her nose, right? That is a good point. Yeah, but, uh, but it works. Uh, so the truce is a no go. Yeah, uh, Rand leaves. This shakes her up though. Like at this point, she's like, "We need to do something about this this guy immediately." Yeah, and and the thing she decides to do is she officially names herself Empress and gives the go-ahead for the attack on Tarvalon. Which, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Which, that's... She thinks that's going to be, like, a dramatic strike against Rand, but I don't think that that matters. I don't... No, I don't think it does at all. He hates Tarvalon. Yeah, if if anything... They put him in a box. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. And it's a bunch of Elitist people, so they might... Those two might actually cancel each other out. Yeah. I don't know how this is going to go, but... Chapter 36... The Death of Tuon, Icon of the Wheel of Time. I was really happy to read this chapter title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, le- less less exciting on the delivery, but we'll get there, right? Yeah, so uh, Viren is chatting with Matt. My, two of my favorite characters, I think, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is cool. Uh, Matt immediately sees through her shtick. And she sees that Matt sees through her shtick, so she's just kind of enjoying this whole interaction. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> she's like... You know, like, like he recognizes her, like, pretend to be a distracted scholar thing. And she knows that he recognizes her. Just like they have like a little, a little duel kind of thing. Right. It's it's funny because Viren, Matt keeps asking her questions and Viren keeps doing like the I said I thing and just like not answering any question. You know, <laughs> if you watch her, she almost answers almost nothing that he asks, you know. Yep. Uh, she has been Taverin pulled to him. Mm-hmm. This was fun to read about. Yeah, and like kind of a, what must have been very frustrating for Viren because she keeps <laughs> she keeps trying to travel to Camelon or Kyrian or wherever it is she was going, and she just can't because these random coincidences prevent her from being in one place long enough to travel. I mean, it's basically like flying on United Airlines. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. United Airlines. You if you're listening to this, please check out our Patreon. Yeah. 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 Like, just like, you don't know what bad thing is going to happen that's going to ruin the moment for you. Yeah. United Airlines will make it happen. Yeah. It'll just pile on. It'll be a different one every time. Yep. <laughs> but being Viren, she actually starts, she, she actually starts kind of studying the process. She's like taking notes. She's like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen this time. Right. She gets methodical about it. I, I, I get that. You know, I'd be curious about it too. Yeah, so eventually it drags her over here to this crappy little small town. Yep. And she's willing, she, she thinks she's here because she needs to travel Matt back to Camelin. She's willing to do it, but she has a price. Oh, first I do want to mention, she, she says, oh yeah, the Flyers, there's something I'm going to tell you. The Flyers came from a dark friend who just happened to mistake me for a dark friend. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> I was like, so what? Bizarre. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Because uh, you were hanging out at that dark friend party? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, they thought I was a dark friend, so they gave me these flyers. <laughs> By the way, they're out to kill uh, you and Perrin, so look out for that. <laughs> uh, oh, dear. I thought it was interesting. She challenges him to throw some dice, and he says no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't sure about that. Yeah, yeah so she, she's, got the, she's got the lowdown on what Matt's all about. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, she... And, uh, and I like how she's like, oh. like, dark friends are out to kill you. And Matt's like, yeah, okay, what else? She's like, no, 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 like, like dark friends. They know what you look like, and they're trying to kill you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like since book one, right? Like, yeah, like, like since we, since before we left the two rivers, yeah, like literally before we left the two rivers, the dark friends have been trying to kill us. Right. Remember when those Trollocs attacked the two rivers before we left the two rivers? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. She's like, go into hiding, and he's like, eh, sure. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'll think sometimes. about it. <laughs> 
Uh, but her price is that she wants to give him a letter, with a sealed letter with instructions for him that he can't read, mm-hmm. that he has to do 10 days after they arrive in Camelin. I, I was like, if that is not some, the most bullshitty Aes Sedai bullshit I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, <laughs> there's no, it's just like the time when he saw the the arches in Rudy and that he wasn't supposed to go through. Like, you knew this was going to happen. <laughs> right. There's yeah. no way around this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Was and that when it was? I'm trying to remember. When did he go through arches? Or well, no, 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 it was, it was, it was in a basement. In, in Ruidian, it was a door. Yeah, the door. But the, wasn't the, there the, something else? That he was in like Tarvalon or something? Yeah, there was another. It was, yeah, it was and in, Nynaeve, I think, was there. And she was like, don't go through that. And of course, he immediately went through it. That was the first archway where he learned his three, he asked his three questions or whatever. Right? Yeah. But then he went through the second one in Ruidian and he, and he saw it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, basically, and literally. Rand, every, he, was, he was hanging out with Rand and Rand was like, you stay here. And, yes. And like, don't go through any doorways. So literally every <laughs> single time Matt is told not to do something, he's going to do it. I was like, I cannot believe he hasn't even opened this letter already. <laughs> By the end of the chapter, I was disappointed. <laughs> it, like, when she hands it to him, it's literally the first thing he tries to do. She's like, uh-uh, not yet. He's like, like looking at the letter like, eh? <laughs> yeah. No. That, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Either way, Matt does manage to bargain it up to 30 days. Well, uh, he, the bargain is, he's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to open this letter. I'm not going to do your stupid instructions. Uh, I'll just I'll just walk to Camelin. Yeah. And she's like, okay, okay, here's the deal. Once we get, I'll travel you to Camelin, and then you either have to open the letter or you have to wait eventually 30 days after the bargain. Yeah. In Camelin. Yeah. For me to come back, apparently. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, he considers it to be a good deal, but my Aes Sedai bullshit alarm was going off pretty hard at this point. No kidding. Yeah. And she keeps calling him Matrim the whole time. Yeah. Which the thing Tuan used to do that I didn't like. And yeah. Fael did that with two, I feel like. Yeah. Or she would call she would call him uh she would call Perrin like farm boy or something. She would refuse to call him oh, by his real name. Blacksmith or something. Yeah. yeah. And that's uh I don't I don't like people who don't respect other people's name and choices. Yeah, I agree. Because I agree. the people in the books who do that are assholes. That's true. But not Varen. Varen's not an asshole. Yeah. She might be a dark friend, but she's, you know, yeah. she's a cool if, if she's a dark friend, she's definitely the coolest dark friend. <laughs> yeah. She's one of the good ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? You know, like, among the dark friends, some of them are very good people, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but either way, they strike a deal. Yeah, and he, that's the deal. Because he, he's thinking, like, I'm going to hang out in Camelon dealing with the dragons anyway, and we got to prepare for the rescue mission on the Tower of Genje or whatever. Yeah, this this way he's converting his 20 travel days to 20, like, preparing dragon days or whatever, you know? So yeah. I think it's a, it is probably a good day on paper, so, except that there's definitely some bullshit going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and whatever's in there, I, I don't know. I don't know what could be in there. I don't know what Viren wants. I don't know either. But yeah. he, he sees that she's got a bunch of other sealed packets, which I assume are other things full of instructions for yeah, people. Yeah, for other people. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Curious. Viren, Viren is... Uh, is always up to something, but unlike Cad Swain, I feel like Viren, the things that Viren are, are up to are probably, you know, good for everyone somehow. Hopefully. <laughs> I don't know. We'll I don't see. know. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I, I want Viren, I don't want Viren to be, uh, you know, bringing down the whole world. I don't I mean, I just, she doesn't seem like she's not a dark friend. <laughs> no, I know. I know. <laughs> I, like, it's hard because I really like Viren. Yeah. But it's also, she seems to be very obviously a dark friend. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we cut to uh, Fortuana. Yeah, because Tuan's dead now. Yeah, Tuan is dead, but only metaphorically. Yeah. Because the Throne of the Nine Moons is dead, and now she's the Empress Fortuana. Furiosa. <laughs> <laughs> 
She gives her blessings to the, the strike on Tarvalon, including the five blood knives. Yes! yes. Oh, we learned more about that. It was so cool. <laughs> I know, I know. They, they may not have teleportation, but they have an air force, and they have an army of murder wizards, and they have elite guerrilla soldiers with magic rings. Magic like, rings that they activate with blood that make them like harder to see or something. and like makes them faster, stronger. stronger, and they can blend into shadows. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Also, they tend to die, die. after a few days. But, you know, they, they will yeah. die, yeah. But you know that's that's cool enough. Yeah, yeah. So, totally. I guess that. So this is another thing that the the, uh, the Shanshin must be able to make because there's no way that you can get one of these back, right? Once it's activated, clearly they're not going to recover You're that right. ring. Right? They must be able to make this. They must. Yeah, because they can make the the, the Adam yeah. right, also. So yeah, I think we had some discussion about whether they made those or found them, but but they must be able to make Tehran real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But why are they called blood knives? Because it's a blood ring. Because oh, their knives are blood. They could be called blood fingers. Yeah. Blood fingers. <laughs> <laughs> blood knives has a, has a cooler sound to it. They probably were called blood, blood, blood rings for a while, but then like there was like a marketing department meeting. And like, we need to rebrand a <laughs> little rebrand. bit. <laughs> yeah, blood rings on on brand. Blood ring sounds cool, but it's just like yeah, it doesn't have the same like a thrust to it as like a blood knife. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, blood blood knives. Yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Fortuona realizes that this attack is probably going to burn the bridge with Rand pretty thoroughly. Yeah, I... Uh, I don't think it's going to burn it as thoroughly as she thinks it is, but I don't think I'll like it either. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I'm starting to think that White Tower might be kind of fucked, because like, this sounds like a... You know, it's, it's, it's hard to see what kind of attack can bring down the White Tower, given that it's full of channelers, right? Yeah. I, and yeah. warders, and, you know, soldiers also, but warders and channelers mostly. Yeah, so it's... Yeah, it's a good question. The White Tower is pretty badass, but also Elida sucks a whole lot. That's true. <laughs> and and the White Tower has never been weaker than it is right now because it's divided externally and internally. Yeah. And also, uh, they won't be expecting this. Like, the White Tower it expects to repel people outside the gates, not inside the gates, I think. Yeah, and they, they don't even really believe in the Shanchen yet, I think. Elida doesn't. Elida doesn't, yeah. Yeah, so, you know. So. so they probably don't believe that the Shanchen can attack from the air. Yeah, I think they're super boned. Yeah. Yeah, but I do think I think you're I think you're right. I'm not sure Rand will care specifically, except I think that uh, it'll piss him off that they're doing this in his quote unquote territory. Yeah, so. and considering the next chapter, I don't think they should piss off Rand. <laughs> right? Yeah. Chapter thirty-seven: A Force of Light, Icon of the Dragon. So Min is watching as Rand is getting ready to go Grendel hunting. Yeah. Uh, they're doing the classic Robert Jordan move of not talking to each other about their feelings. I know he's he. It was interesting because, you know, we've been seeing Min from Rand's perspective a lot, and Rand's like, "Oh, she's afraid of me now." Every time she looks at me, she probably thinks about me choking or whatever. And Min is not afraid of him. Like that—that that is absolutely not what she's thinking at all. Yeah. You know, but it's interesting. Like she's more disappointed in herself for not being able to protect him from. Yeah, she's worried that she's a liability to him. Yeah, I mean, being able to protect someone from one of the forsaken is a. Pretty hype artist set for oneself, so I, right? I, I think and, that. And you know, she did a pretty credible job the couple times she had to do it. Right. I, I mean, like she she got her in the face with a knife. I mean, yeah, she I mean, didn't kill her, but like she yeah, definitely I mean, hit none her. None of the other maidens did. Uh, none of the maidens did that well, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I would say that for a, a normie with no magic power, she did pretty fucking great against. Absolutely. We're, right. we're grading so, on a curve here. <laughs> yeah. But either way, she's not afraid of Rand at all. Yeah. Uh, where did Rand get that sword? I have no idea. Okay, they keep they keep saying they keep saying. So they said it was excavated from underneath a statue. A statue, which I I thought must be that the giant Tarangriel, right? But right, yeah, the giant which they've 
did they get to the bottom of that? I don't know. But I don't Rand, know. Rand is familiar with it. Like he knows it. All I can guess is that this must be Loose Theron's sword. Yeah. It must. That, there's no other explanation for it except this actually belonged to Loose Theron. To yeah. Because we see him doing that too. He makes several references that are things that only Loose Theron knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without that's true. even realizing it. He's he's integrated really well. <laughs> <His> personalities. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> and uh, then Rand has a plan for Grendel. He, he's <laughs> next up on his balefire list. <laughs> yeah. He, he finds this uh, Ponzi nobleman and uh sends him on a mission to grendel oh um, and he, he no and men's coming along with him on this uh attack which rand agreeing to it seems insane but you know this is bizarro dark rand so who knows right yeah uh the rand is constantly is talking a lot in this chapter like how do i outplay grendel who i know is smarter than me and and it doesn't want to get in a fight with me because she's smarter than you know Ravin and all the other ones that i killed yeah i thought this was interesting that, that he recognizes that Grendel is too smart for him to outsmart. So he sends an idiot instead, right? <laughs> He's got Lord, Lord uh, Ramshalon. It's yeah. like, if I can't outsmart her, Lord Ramshalon can out-idiot her. <laughs> Solved, <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, which he does. He sends Lord Ramshalon in. And then he follows through the, the gateway. And they, they hang out there for a while, just watching Grendel's fortress until Ramshalon comes back. All compulsed to hell. Like, uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're able to tell that his his brain is messed up. Yeah, probably gonna set Rand's bed on fire or something like that. You know, who yeah. And none of that matters, though. Yeah, no. because Rand's plan here is is when he comes back, he uses the remote control to channel an unhealthy amount of the one power and bail fires the entire fortress out of existence. Yep. Yeah, just bail fires the ever living crap out of it. Yeah, I, including all the people that live there. Yeah, and he knows that it worked because suddenly Ramshalon's compulsion is gone. <laughs> right, yeah, which means means he killed Grendel back in time. I mean, it was an effective plan. <laughs> yeah. It worked? Yeah, I mean... This is this is the easiest Forsaken kill yet. Right? Yeah. yeah the, like, almost, almost anticlimactic, I guess. And he tries to justify all the other killings with, like, Grendel would have fucked with their minds so badly anyway. Yeah. Which was, I wish yeah. he hadn't tried to justify. No. The it, author, I mean, hadn't tried to justify it. I, I don't... I don't think that this was Brandon Sanderson just I think this was Rand attempting to like so I I am offended by this yeah I th- this strikes me as like is the the American wars of choice that we have had in the last few decades where we invade another place and then we have this weird justification like we're gonna bomb them into peace you know mm-hmm. like it's okay that we're killing all these people because really it's gonna be you know like a lot of peace is gonna be good for a lot of other people that we didn't kill yeah which is obviously false right, right, right. it's just they're just wars for money and i find this kind of offensive to have somebody presenting this the, the offensive part was not rand presenting this because this is dark rand right this is that's an evil thing that evil people say in mm-hmm. the real world an evil person in this story is saying it what offends me is later on when nynaeve is like you know he's kind of right we should. We kind of do have to blow up those wedding parties in Afghanistan in order to bring freedom to Afghanistan. Or what yeah, the hell. I, I don't think Robert Jordan would have gone for this. I mean, he basically just dumped napalm on a whole village. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, I, I think he would have played it differently. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that uh, I think that yeah, Nynaeve is coming around to the dark grand side, which sucks. But Min immediately kind of puts her off that. It's essentially like if if Rand becomes you know the new dark one, then. Uh, you know, we got a net loss here, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just makes, it just, it made it feel less, 
it kind of weakened the impact of it because it's dark right now. He's a bad guy. He should have done it and been like, yeah, that was a shitty thing yes. to do. But they tried to justify it and they set up the chapter, two chapters previously with the guy, the kid who like revealed the name. Once, once they removed the compulsion, he just died anyway. So that was like a sloppy way of the author being able to be like, oh, hey, you know, this guy died when the compulsion was gone. Yeah. So all those other people would have died too. And yeah, and they were it like, he was looking it. at those people... And it's, I mean, the Afghanistan parallels keep jumping out at me, but he was looking at those people working in the fortress. They weren't all like mouth breathing slaves. They were like doing their job. They were living in the village. They, they weren't, they weren't all mind wiped because they were clear. There's clearly a functioning society going on here. Yeah. But they were just like misidentified by intelligence as being part of the, the evil terrorist threat. And it was really shitty too, because I didn't see why there was no thought about, okay, maybe I can just travel in and try to find her or even fucking old school, like sneak in or something and try to find her and zorch her. Like yeah. he just decided to, you know, drop agent orange on this entire fucking village. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like he just, he dropped a nuke on it. Yeah. And not only a nuke, like, <laughs> like he, he did something so powerful that it damaged the pattern in such a way that even men felt it. Right. Yeah. Like she felt the world screaming. Yeah. And it, at, at that moment, what I thought was, maybe this is the Dark One's plan, is you trick Rand into doing so much Balefire that the pattern breaks. Yeah. And that's mean, what the Dark that, One wants to do, that's right? What, we know that's what Balefire does, right? That's why even even the Forsaken don't use Balefire, really, because, because yeah. of this, right? But yeah. Well, I guess we now know Rand's uh, response to the trolley problem. You're familiar with the trolley problem, oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, you know the trolley? Yes. Yeah. So Rand's solution is blow up the trolley, yeah. blow up all the yeah. people on both sides of the tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Kill, kill them all so hard that it goes back in time and kills them before they were tied to the tracks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just kill them all just in case. So that's the troll, that's Rand's yeah. solution. Uh, so yeah, I, I feel like, I don't know, I, I get it. I, and I, there is still time for this storyline to be redeemed. But mm-hmm. if, it, if it turns out in the end that this is the right thing for Rand to have done, and that's what Nynaeve decides, I will be upset. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, I. I don't think that's where this is going. I, th- I think that. I think. I hope they're setting up this for this. This. This to be like uh, the ominous. <laughs> this is like Rand's rock bottom. Is what I'm hoping. Is like this is the turning point where they're like this is too far. You know. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Um, and and we we know that at least for Min and Nynaeve that uh, they're ready to do something drastic. Yeah. I, I, well, one point of. Uh, Persnickety rules lawyering. Uh-huh. So the guy, the the Ponzi Lord, he remembers going in there. Yes. But he has no longer been compulsioned. Right. So his brain, the direct effects on his brain have been removed, but his memories that were in his brain have not been removed. Yes. So that's, this, that's, that's the case usually with this. So I think Matt yeah, has something similar. Right? So it works for everybody. Yeah. 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 So wouldn't that have worked if he had just killed Grendel? Wouldn't that have worked for all the other people who had been compulsioned by her too? Uh, <laughs> no, only if they've been compulsed recently. Like it's in after the time when in back in time when. Oh, she, oh, right, right, right. right. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. The whole yeah. bail fire going. Unless back he in hits time. her like super duper hard with it, so she goes back years or something. Well, yeah, like there's a direct correlation between the amount of the one power used to bail fire and how far back in time yes, it goes. Yes, that's right. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know how far back the upper limit is. I suspect it would be really bad for the pattern. But yeah. but the fact but like that means that there was a world line where this guy is going along. Forming memories as though he had been compelled, but he hadn't been compelled. Right. Yeah. That's weird. Uh-huh. Like that they have the memories, they just move to a different place. Like if he would have walked to a different place in that time because Grendel had been deleted at the time. Like he wouldn't even have, in the world line where Grendel was deleted, he wouldn't have gone into the fortress at all. I'm not going into the time mm-hmm. travel. Yeah, you don't want to you. You pull that 
thread. Yeah. 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 Well, my conclusion actually is that in this world, consciousness uh, is something that exists outside of the pattern. I think it must be, yeah. It's something that like that can perceive the pattern even when the pattern itself is inconsistent. Mm. I think that I think that makes I think that jives with everything else we've seen where weird things are happening and people recognize them, right? Like the, yeah. the whole thing in the White Tower where the, the rooms got displaced, nobody was just like, Oh, that's where they've always been, right? Uh, yeah, that's oh, true. Yeah, that's yeah good, good point. point. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Mm-hmm. Same analogy. Okay. I was, but yeah, I was disappointed with Nynaeve. I thought that she was going to be completely horrified because Nynaeve has a very strong moral sense. And I think it would have, if she was really horrified, it would have set up a really interesting tension that has started growing about if Nynaeve is, how long Nynaeve is going to continue working for Rand if he's Dark Rand now. Absolutely. Yeah. And Nynaeve, as we've established, is one of the last people he can trust. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is, uh, I, I see what's happening with Nynaeve. I don't, I don't think she's. I think she doesn't have a solution is the problem, right? So she's like, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, she's feeling out of her element, which is why they decide to do this ridiculous thing, which is bring Cat Swain back in. Yeah, like, that's like, what they decide to do. This To me, this is like, so, okay, Nynaeve and Min are the last two people that Rand trusts. And I can think of nothing they can do to lose Rand's trust faster than working with Cat Swain, right? Yep, absolutely. But, yeah, so this, this is to me is a terrible is, idea, and I hate it. <laughs> this is like a consummate betrayal. Yeah, I think. Uh, and then he's like, "We need to talk to Cat Swain and find out what she's scheming." And Min's like, like, "How do you know she's scheming?" And she's like, "It's Cat Swain." <laughs> yeah, and then she goes in there, and Cat Swain just Cat Swains all over. Oh her. my god, she treats her like such shit. Oh yeah, Nynaeve is the key to her whole plan. Nynaeve is who she needs to do her scheme, and she's like, "Oh well, you totally suck, and uh, I'll just give you some orders and fuck you." Yeah. yeah. Oh god. Yeah. This 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 another part was very frustrating to read. Like she's every bit as shitty as we've come to. Like this is like to me this is maybe the worst cat's way it's ever been. Is when Nynaeve walks in is like we need to like comes to her like with an olive branch and is like we need to talk about this. This is a really bad situation. Cat's way it's like yeah that's really bad. Get the fuck out. And Nynaeve's like dude, what dude? You know? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. But yeah. Nynaeve sucks it up just like Rand used to do because uh, yeah I, I don't know I don't know why Nynaeve. we as readers can't be lost from this fucking right. little character. Yeah. I, I hope Cat Swain chokes on a tea bag that was left in her cup of tea. <laughs> and yeah. like and nobody helps her because everybody hates her. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just like, why don't you deal with that uh, bag? Why don't you use one of your hair to on rail to get it out of here? <laughs> nothing? No? no. Got nothing for that, huh? Oh well, I guess you're just gonna choke and die. Yeah, uh, either way she has ninety she she tasks ninety with going to get Perrin, which right. I, I don't know. I guess we don't I don't know. I'm not sure why she would think that he needs Perrin. I know. I think that Perrin's probably a good idea, but I don't wonder what her thinking is. I don't know. My my opinion of Cat Swain's planning abilities is low, so maybe her plan is just I'm going to get his bros back together, and they're they're going to chill him out. <laughs> that might be maybe right. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Let's see. And uh, and Min is there. She's going along with this, but she at least is still concerned with getting Rand. To the last battle, uh, sane and not evil. Mm. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting hearing it from from her perspective too, because she her her thinking is essentially like these people are here to get Rand to do what they need. I want to help Rand. Like that's her like her position is more of a supportive. She's I guess you could say that she's yeah. the one in Rand, the last one in Rand's yeah. corner here. Na- Nynaeve seems to be betraying Rand in this Cat Swain plan, and Min is there, but I don't think she's. I think Min is still on the side. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, she also, Min had a new vision of Rand. 
like a vision. She saw a dragon mount with a big chunk taken out of it and lots of clouds yeah. around the peak. And I don't know what that means, neither does men, but I kept thinking like, what if like they find out that it's actually just like a big old piece of cake? <laughs> it's like a mountain that she was just looking at it really close and it's just a big bite taken out. Yeah, yeah it's like Ren's birthday cake. It's a dragon mount and then he just takes a big chop out of it and like grins at him. <laughs> yeah. It's probably not what it is. Yeah. Hey, you know what? It's hard to say, Jeff. Could be. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Or question? Yeah, we've got a question from Mark who wanted us to discuss how we feel about Wheel of Time being in the far future. How that affects the story and why it makes Wheel of Time more unique among fantasy literature. Yeah, well, I think I think we talked about this a little bit earlier on in the series, like early, early on, because in the early earlier books, Robert Jordan dropped a lot of the uh, the far future hint stuff with the stories about. Uh, see, I think Tom brings up some stories yeah. about uh, a lot of know? astronauts, and then he he also references like Anne Landers and Mother Teresa. And uh, there was the, other people who were popular in America in the eighties. And the Cold War with the the two giants. That <laughs> yeah, Mosk and Merck. And That's the right. EMDRs. Yeah. Wait, so, no, not EMDRs. Oh, ICBMs. ICBMs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the ICBMs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, like, like I think I think that's a really interesting theme, and I'm I'm a little disappointed that we don't get as much of those anymore. I mean, they. I would. I'm trying to remember the last one that we got that was really like was really clearly like a. A reference to an Easter egg or whatever that might have been that Mercedes logo thing, right? From Tenshiko's museum. That, that was in the Panarchs Palace. There were a ton oh, yeah. of them. That was another big dump. There were two big dumps, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weird choice of words. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, it, that was a long time ago, and I feel like we haven't gotten as many of them. But either way, uh, that wasn't really the question. I, uh, it's something we've talked about a couple times, but I don't know. I, I think it's cool. Um, yeah. It makes it, it makes some parts of this series. Less fantasy and more sci-fi. Like that, I think that for me, that it really, it really informed the way I perceived the Age of Legends when they did talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me think of the Age of Legends as like a science fiction society as opposed to like a, a magic society. You know, even though it is magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of. I mean, I have to. I'm always the negative one, right? Yeah, I kind of don't like it. I, I don't like my fantasy and my real world mixed. I don't like my fantasy and my sci-fi mixed. Yeah, because uh, it kind of makes the world less magical in my mind but it, it's it's so subtle and it's so well done in this book that i i, I wouldn't really bring it up as a complaint mm-hmm. it's just not my my favorite aspects of the books yeah but in terms of like how it how it affects fantasy books it, there's actually kind of a sub-tradition in fantasy of doing that especially in older fantasy like you know uh the lord of the rings right you may have heard written by Jolkin, Rolkin, Rolkin. Jolkin, Rolkin, Rolkin, Tolkien. It's yeah. positioned explicitly as a history uh, of the real world, right? The real world is like later in that time. And so were the Conan books by Robert E. Howard. Like it was the, the age of, what the hell was it called? Uh, the age of Hyboria or whatever. But that's theoretically, that's the prehistory era of the real world is the time that all that Conan crap happened. Oh, interesting. And more recently, uh, Gene Wolfe's Book of the New Sun, which is positioned as a, Fantasy book. Uh, it, it's the best fantasy book, by the way. Uh, it's positioned as a fantasy series, but it's actually far future sci-fi. But it's so far future sci-fi that it's effectively magic, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you, you actually recommended that, and I read it. And I, it's it's a fun read for sure, but it's also a difficult read because they don't they don't uh, they don't fill the gaps for you. There's 
I think there's a point where he's yeah. like, he's writing his, uh, his I think it's called Destrier or whatever. It's yeah, just like Destry, an emperor. Yeah. yeah he doesn't say horse. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's you know, a, a kind of war horse, but like he describes it having like claws or something like that. And he doesn't. Yeah. And the, what, the way it works, it's like in book two or something. He's been riding this horse for like two books and he mentions its claws. And, and that's when you realize that this thing he's writing is not a horse. Not as we would think of it, right? That's the way Gene Wolfe writes his books. Like, the more you read them, the more you understand them. They're not meant to be understood the first time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is it really that unique, though, than what Wheel of Time is doing? Because I'm also thinking there's a book you recommended for me, which takes place in different ages. You have, like, it starts in really medieval times, and then it goes to, like, super sci-fi. Oh, the book, uh, Canticle for Leibowitz. Canticle, Canticle for Leibowitz. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and one of the that. time periods is, is the real world, isn't it? Or, at the very, it starts essentially in the modern time, like in the present, right? And then it goes after some sort of horrific yeah, start, apocalyptic. Post, event. Yeah, the first one is like post-apocalyptic, but real. Yeah, world. yeah, yeah. And then yeah. it kind of loops back around to far future. And that's science yeah. fiction. It's one of the cool things about fantasy and science fiction is that you can you can tell stories that deal with these immense timescales. Yeah. And where the Wheel of Time really shines, it, it shines in a lot of ways. Actually, I love the Wheel of Time. But uh, one of the ways its world building shines is the way these time scales affect the lives of these people that are just trying to do the best they can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, very cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you had any. No, no, no. Feelings about yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's that unique, but I definitely enjoy it a lot. Like it's fun getting the little Easter eggs, you know. Yeah, I think it's I think it's yeah. done for me. It's done really well here in that uh, it's. It's subtle in that you know there. It's not everywhere, but you get these hints, and and those hints feel smoothly woven into the world around it. I don't think it adds anything to the story, though. Yeah. Like I, if you just thought about it, if it just took place in a different world at all, like because it's so completely removed. Like they even talk about it, like with the breaking of the world and everything. Like our time was so long ago. Like even the topography isn't the same anymore. So it's kind of yeah. like, well, why even bother? Except it's fun. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like how I like to watch. Like zombie movies, where like you can see New York and it's all shattered or whatever. And you're like, oh hey, there's you know <laughs> yeah. the the lions in front of the library in New York or something. Right. You know, that's yeah. like, a good point. Guess, it's fun, it's, but it doesn't really add anything. I guess it's the cyclical time thing. Sure. Ages come and go. That's the coolest part. Wait, I don't understand. Ages no. come and go. Did Did, did you know? Did no. you know that the time is is what? like a one of those round things? Oh, a donut. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like a donut. Yeah. The donut of time turns. <laughs> the sprinkles come and pass. Yeah. Until the dark one takes a bite out of it. Which, can you blame him, right? Don't <laughs> that's, that's all he wants. If they didn't he want, just wants to taste that donut. If they didn't want the dark one to bite it, they shouldn't have made it out of donut. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so. Cool. Well, thanks yeah. for the question. Yeah, yeah that was a great sure. question. Thanks. So, that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 38 through 41 of The Gathering Storm, book 12 of The Wheel of Time. I am Jeff Lake. That's Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That is Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Michael Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback for us, please drop us a line at hello at armadillo.club. We love hearing from you. And please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please find out how you can give us your dollars at armadillo.club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The the light light illuminates you. you.